HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Old Ways Cheese Coalition, an organization dedicated to supporting artisanal raw milk and traditional cheese making around the world and ensuring everyone can choose their cheese of choice. For more information, visit oldwayscheese.org. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze. We have a full house here in the studio today. The Marcelli family is here. Hello, Bob, Andy, and Tina. Hello, hello. Hi, hello there, Greg. Hi, Greg. Super glad you're here. Thanks so much for coming out to Brooklyn to talk cheese on this rainy afternoon. Um, so for those of you who don't know the name Marcelli, these guys and gals are importing cheeses from Abruzzo, Italy, that are made in and near their family's ancestral village of Anversa by their cousins and friends of the family. They're also importing some other great artisan products from olive oil to the best honey I've ever had and also the best dried pasta I've ever had. And they're all made in Abruzzo. Uh, their company, Marcelli Formaggi, has been recently featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Wine and Spirits Magazine, and more. So first of all, congrats on all the buzz lately. Uh, I wanted to start off by asking you, Bob, uh, how you guys came to start this family business. We in a prayer. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, uh, we had made uh, the first ever uh, visit to our uh, ancestral home uh, where I met my cousin Nunzio for the first time. And we learned that they had a sheep farm and an agriturismo, and he kind of offhandedly said, you know, we have sheep, so we make uh, cheese. And I, I went, oh, it's very interesting. We tasted the cheese, and I looked at him, and I said, oh, you don't make cheese. You make cheese. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> That's the beginning. When that, was that? That was in, I think that was uh, 2002. And was that when you started uh, bringing in the cheese, or did it take a little while? No, it was um, the truth is that my father um, had never been to where his parents were from. It was and we, It was very emotional for us. We were very, very moved uh, by this little tiny uh, medieval village population 350 where we learned we were related to half of the people uh, oh, in, cool. in the village. And um, he, he wanted to do something with the family in the village and um, slowly it began to dawn on me that the cheese was really the thing so that there would be an ep- economic uh, 
you know, a, a partnership between the, the families. So, but it took about, I don't know, four or five years, maybe four years, to convince my cousin that not only was this a good idea, but it was something that we could actually uh, do. So Re- Repeated visits. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, you guys are, are, are a culinary family in general. Um, Andy is a beer guy. He was just on Beer Sessions Radio a few weeks ago with Jimmy Carbone, and you should all check that out. Uh, Bob, you were uh, named the James Beard Foundation Rising Chef in 1990, which is cool, and you have had a long career in food. And Tina, you are a pastry chef and have owned your own business and uh, do lots of food-related stuff. Um, oh, yes. Like, you know, you guys, and I know you all well. I mean, it's uh, food. It's, I mean, we all live for food, I think, in this room, everybody, <laughs> all of us. We also have a, a chef brother as well. Right. There's, there are more Marcellis. This is as many Marcellis as I can fit into this room at once. Um, but you, how do you all relate to and approach cheese coming from these different culinary backgrounds? Like, what is, what's your take on cheese, Andy? Like, how did you fall in love with this stuff? <clears throat> well... Actually, it was through uh, visiting my family in Italy because, um, you know, I went to business school, so I, I had a business degree and I had a marketing job out of college, and, you know, I was not in the food world. My plan was always to support my siblings who were, you know, chefs and go to their restaurants, not work in food. <laughs> Having grown up in restaurants as with my father being a chef and owning restaurants when we were younger. Um, but really it was, you know, my I wasn't on that ancestral trip with the whole family. I was actually in California, and my dad called me from the trip and just said how excited he was and, you know, we needed to, you know, import this. You need to get on it. Yeah. And then a couple years later when I was ready to make a move, um, I told him I'd give him a year to, uh, you know, help him figure it out. And that was about nine years ago. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it like working as a family on building this company? Tina, you want to you wanna jump in there and let us know? Yes, uh, it's it's really it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's great to be able to work with your family every day. Um, you know, my mom has uh, recently come on board. Uh, she she retired um, from her career and basically, I, I think, took a Saturday off. And the very next day, she was she was at Employed. the company. Yeah. <laughs> so her uh, her retirement was basically twenty four hours. Um, but it's been it's been really great to. Uh, as I said, you know, work together and, uh, and and learn from these guys, but also at the same time, uh, you know, kind of earn my own stripes. Sure. Um, you know, I'm the I'm the youngest, so that, that's kind of always my goal is to show up and show that I can do it. So it's been it's been a learning process and a great experience, and I can't wait for what's in store. Right. But also, I think for her too, it's been a fun change. Uh, she's used to being in the kitchen, and now right. she's on the other side of the line right. talking to chefs. So it's a very comfortable environment for everybody. Yeah. How do you right. go about finding your customers, or how have you historically found your customers? Word of mouth. A, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example about our pasta. Just a, you know. Yeah, the pasta you guys bring in is amazing. <clears throat> it's the best dried pasta I've ever had. Well. A lot of people share that that hmm. opinion. Uh, Del Posto makes all of their own pasta. What they don't make, they only use ours, and they they emphatically swear that this is really absolutely the best pasta that that they've ever had. Um, that means fir- a lot to us. It, yeah, really. of course. So, do you find that like your business, the roots of your business, are people that you do business with small a small amount of people? Because you can't have, have be able to bring in a lot of cheese, right? I mean, you 
you say you, your your village, your your ancestral village, three hundred fifty people, of which are related to half, um, and then then there's some sheep out there. So, um, how much cheese do these guys really make? Like, how how do you uh, how do you get this done? Well, I'll give you an example. The uh, this breed of sheep, uh, which is called a Supervisano, uh-huh. it's an ancient breed that was indigenous to Abruzzo, and um, at one point in time there were three million of these sheep. Today, there's only maybe uh, 300,000 at, at the most. And my cousin has about 1,300 uh, sheep. They produce one-fifth of the milk of a normal breed of sheep. Right. So you say 1,300 sheep. Oh, my God, that's a lot. But when do you consider... Yeah, they're little animals, and they don't give up a lot of milk. No, they don't. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so I got another question for you guys. Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day is coming up on April 16th. For those of you who don't know what that is, check out theoldwayscheese.com. Uh, it's an international celebration of raw milk cheese that's sponsored by the Cheese Coalition, formerly known as the Cheese of Choice Coalition. They're one of our sponsors and friends of the show. I wanted to ask you guys and gal, uh, what are your thoughts on raw milk cheese as it relates to your cheese specifically? Well, I mean, all the cheeses we carry, we carry cheeses from our family's farm as well as a couple other producers in their cooperative are all raw milk cheeses. So to us, they're very traditional. But also, when we're meeting someone and talking about our products, we talk about terroir, what the sheep are eating, the over 100 wild herbs and flowers in the grass that the sheep are eating. Um, so, you know, their diet, everything also, uh, you know, the low, the low milk yielding factor, so the milk is very rich. So for us, like, raw milk is very important because it's preserving all of that. Because if we were then talking about, okay, then it's all pasteurized, then half of what we just said is kind of lost. Yeah, completely. What do you got to take on that, Bob? Well, I think that the thing That's about, really well said. about raw, raw milk cheese is that it, it really preserves everything. Um, and what we find when we taste our cheese with, with chefs is that's the first thing that they remark about. It's like mm. it's just the real, it's the pristine uh, flavors of each of the different cheeses. And just a little side thing, um, when I was a young boy, my grandfather uh, would instruct us on, you know, things that were important to, to know and to carry with you through, through your life. The Italian grandfather. The Italian. Sure. Uh, Alfonso Marcelli. <laughs> And Alfonso uh, was from this village, and Alfonso is um, the brother of Nunzio's, uh, you know. Nunzio being the cheesemaker. The cheesemaker. And he said in his uh, wonderful Italian accent, <clears throat> don't eat of the, the process of food. Don't eat of the process of cheese because it's a no good. He said they, they kill all of the good bacteria. And he's and if, right. And if you don't have the good bacteria... Yeah. It's a no good. So well done. Yeah, but that's the simple <laughs> truth. Um, and for those guys, I mean, they, they they've been making cheese. How many for how many like generations has Nunzio's farm been producing cheese? Well, they started the farm in 1977 um, officially, but again, our family has been in that village since the the 1500s. So my guess is that. There's been some cheese made. Somebody right. along the way has <laughs> made cheese. What do you think about raw milk cheese, Dana? Uh, I think I think they both put it perfectly. Um, you know, I think it's a Thank it's you. a beautiful. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, and Andy's exactly correct. Um, I think raw milk is is great because it it keeps 
it keeps the the base of the product in its most uh, you know natural and glorious form, and it really lets it transcend to the you know the end result, which is somebody eating the cheese and experiencing it. That's the best. I mean, and I'm cutting the curd. We're always we're always pushing the raw milk cheese yeah. on everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and uh, have you found any difficulties in uh, in bringing the cheeses in because they're raw? Actually, that's been surprising that it hasn't been a problem. Um, as you know, all raw milk cheese has to be aged for a minimum of 60, 60, days. 60 days. And, uh, you know, we we stick to that, you know, strictly. And uh, the farm does a great job of, yep. you know, maintaining, uh, you know, the, the particular dates and everything. So yep. it's not really, it has been. It. But they're also, the farm itself is actually also uh, EU certified organic. So great. they're inspected. Very regularly. I mean, I've been there at least in three or four different times over over the years where they've been inspected. So, um, you know, because I think the EU organic seal is a very, uh, I don't know, I like to say higher, highly more, you know, whatever, highly regarded uh, thing. But uh, yeah, so they they're they're keep doing it the right way all the time. And you guys bring in like so you have your pasta and you have your cheese, but you also have honey that I think that is is, is incredible. Um, what makes it, you guys bring in such great honey? What what is it? Is it the terroir again? Um, or is it just that that was that something you discovered after after you after you started bringing in the cheese? Well, we when we first had the cheese, you always have it with with honey, and so it, it was kind of the same reaction. It's like oh my god, this cheese is incredible. It's like whoa, this honey is incredible. It turns out that um, Abruzzo is considered to be the green heart of Europe, not just of Italy, but of Europe. And what that means is that there's more national park space than any other area in in Europe. Historically, Abruzzo had been uh, economically challenged because of its uh, the, the landscape being incredibly rugged, so difficult to import and ex- export from. Um, so there was not a lot of uh, work, and there's certainly never really been any heavy I- industry to speak of. The good news is that because there was no heavy industry, it's remained incredibly pristine. And so what does that translate that to? That translates to every, literally every food product that is produced there is really some of the best that you'll find uh, anywhere. And of, that, of course, and you have an, <laughs> you believe that because that's where you're from. <laughs> and that, that, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, I've I've been lucky. Um, you know, I met um, I met Andy and Bob um, in the Bedford Cheese Shop. Um, I think <laughs> in two thousand. Yeah, maybe two thousand and nine. Yeah. Um, my friend Charlotte was like. Uh, these dudes are coming in. I don't know anything about them, but they have some good cheese. And I was like, ah, I'm game. I like cheese. Um, and you guys brought me in some of the just probably the best sheep cheese that uh, had come out of Italy uh, that I had ever had. Um, I think I tasted the Pecorino Gregoriano, uh, which is a staple of your of your collection, the Pecorino Parco, um, and um, and maybe some brigand, Pecorino Brigantaccio, all of which were. Uh, comprise a core of, of uh, products and I've watched your company grow um, from that spot which has been really really cool you know and uh, and I think now um, I know that you, I mean I know you distribute to us in the in the tri-state area but um, what's your plans for Marcelli Formaggi in the future are you guys going to blow it up or are you comfortable keeping it small you know 
I mean, everybody knows about you now. I mean, you're in the Wall Street Journal. You know, you're in Del Posto. You know, I mean, people, people are like pimping you out. They 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 like your stuff. So how are you going to keep it? How are you going to keep it so your regular customers get the things they had? And you know, and then the quality stays the same. Don't worry, Craig. We always got you. That's Damn right. straight. I mean, I need my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things uh, that's very important to us is that that we hand sell our our cheese, and it's really about relationships. Uh, people trust us. The chefs tr- trust absolutely, us. and that's you know the cheesemongers trust us. There's only so big that we can get. Um, we have a funny saying. Um, I don't know if it's a good business practice or not, but we only sell the people that we like. That's great. And uh, we really like everyone that we sell to. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want their cheese, you better be nice to these guys. You know what I mean? That's right. Um, <laughs> be, be kind. <laughs> no, but it's but it's true. Um, and I've had lots of... Um, you know, and, and as I've done the show, as as we've done the show, um, we've had some cheese selling, cheese slinging, cheese making <laughs> families in here. You know, and one of the best things about it, um, because I know you guys and I know how close you all are, um, I think it's really cool that you were able to bring your whole family into that. And it would make sense that the customers that you have are a reflection of how you are. Um, and they uphold the same values that you do. Um, you know, it's, uh, I just think it must be tough um, to manage just having that level of product, which is very high, and that scarcity of it. I know that when I buy cheese um, as, a, as a retail purchaser, when cheese comes in, it's like, Santa Claus is there, you know what I mean? It's all these packages, and I'm really excited because stuff's coming in, and then half of it shows up, and then the other half of it doesn't show up, and then some of it shows up in not the best shape, and then you go back to the farm, and you're like, so I asked you for 50 of these, and I got like five, so what's up with that? I mean, it must be, it must be tough because you're managing your family on the other end. It's all family. Would you agree with that? So I think that uh, one of the things that we have going for us is the fact that, uh, you know, all of our chefs, customers, friends, they all, uh, they know our story. So they understand it's kind of the nature of what it is that we're bringing in, Um, you know, and it's kind of a a, a lighthearted, you know, hey, do you have the manteca today? And, you know, oh, we wish we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but it's uh, it's it's the nature of it, and uh, you know I think when people have an appreciation of where it's coming from, it, you know it's it's not something that's that's mass produced. Sure. And that's kind of the whole appeal to it. And that's classic cheese shop mentality, anyway. Like I never have like sixty percent of my items in stock. When did you know that you were going to work, Tina, for Marcelli Formaggi? What, when? How did they? How did they get you to join their <laughs> Motley crew? Um, well, you know, their uh, their timing was... Was perfect. Was perfect, if not strategic. <laughs> um, but uh, I was just finishing up a three-year uh, opportunity at a job and was kind of looking for the next thing and, uh, you know, knew that I didn't quite want to go back into the kitchen yet. And, um, you know, along the way, I had, I've discovered that I really like sales and branding and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, and obviously it's my family and I'm, I'm passionate about them and the cheese. Um so uh, my dad approached me and said, you know, the, the company is, is growing, um, you know, and I see... I we see need you. Right. <laughs> um, you know, we'd be thrilled to have you on and help to build and brand it and, uh, you know, work with your brother. 
And well, then I was like, well, forget it. Um, yeah, this guy. <laughs> but uh, no, this wasn't it's my idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's why. That's why this is, this is so much fun. Um, this this type of stuff. But uh, yeah, and I said, you know what? Let's let's do it, and it's been great. And uh, out of everybody, I think I was the one that uh, knew the least about the cheese. So right. Um, you know, because when they were starting it, I was, I was still, um, you know, working in, uh, city kitchens and, and stuff like that. So, uh, I've learned a lot in a short amount of time. Um, and it's been, it's been great. It's good to get you out of the kitchen. You can come with the other humans, you know what I mean? Up above ground. Yes. We got windows. <laughs> yeah, now I actually have to talk to yeah, people. Yeah, people come in and out. Well, I think one thing that we've seen as we're growing slowly but, but surely is, as a family, we all bring different things to the table. Sure. It's like perfect fit. So my father obviously has a long career as being a chef and, and knows food, knows knows that world. Um, myself, I have you know a business degree in marketing, so that in the beginning is what you know what we needed. And my sister, obviously, from working inside of a kitchen as, as well as in her last job, working on branding. And then my mom, who's like... You know, takes she, care of you all. She's literally the one, you know, she's been the, the, the woman behind my dad for, you know, their you know, the entire yeah. life together. That's sweet. Um, super supportive, <laughs> but also she's extremely organized um, as coming from the healthcare industry. And before that, she was running restaurants with my father. So, like, all of us together, we, you know, we meet on a weekly basis and uh, we're like, okay, well, you can do that, you can do that, you can do that. And, like, the, the math... The whole the whole equation works really well with all of us and what and what we're all good at. So it's all together we kinda have like the complete package. That's rad, Ben. Well, Marcelli Formaggi is a true family business from top to bottom. So we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk about Abruzzo, the land and the animals. Cheese Coalition, an organization dedicated to supporting artisanal cheesemaking traditions through advocacy, education, and outreach, is calling on all you Turophiles to rally and celebrate Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day on Saturday, April 16th. More than 400 events in 10 countries will highlight the distinctive cultural heritage of raw milk cheeses. From tastings in Denver to special classes in Sao Paulo, producers will offer samples in San Francisco, and cheesemongers will share their love of fromage au lait cru in Paris and Boston. Show your appreciation for raw milk cheese on April 16th and find an event near you at oldwayscheese.org. And if you really love traditional and raw milk cheeses, the Old Ways Cheese Coalition invites you to become a member and support its work preserving these artisanal cheeses. Sign up now and get a free year subscription to Culture Magazine. Visit oldwayscheese.org for more. Have you listened to A Taste of the Past? It's a show devoted to connecting our current food world with its storied past. Host and culinary historian Linda Palaccio welcomes chefs, scientists, authors, scholars, and revolutionaries into the studio to discuss food culture and history from around the globe. Have you seen the culture of food change over oh, the past 25, 30 years? It's been incredible. Linda covers content ranging from the history of black chefs in the White House to behavioral psychology and the evolution of Italian food in America. 
You can listen to A Taste of the Past anytime on HeritageRadioNetwork.org or on iTunes and Stitcher. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. This is Greg Blaze. And before the break, I was talking with Bob, Andy, and Tina Marcelli of Marcelli Formaggi, importers of artisan cheese from Abruzzo. For this next half of the show, I wanted to talk about the region of Abruzzo a little bit more. Um, you know, Bob, you had touched on uh, the landscape of Abruzzo and, uh, you know, and it being the sort of green heart of, uh, of Europe. Um, I wanted you to talk specifically for, uh, for a minute, to us for a minute, about uh, Anversa, what makes Anversa, the town where your family hails from, special. Can you sort of paint a picture for us of the landscape and people there? The village of Anversa, de, it's Anversa degli Abruzzi, uh-huh. which is uh, a, a tiny little village. Um, built on the side of a mountain and surrounded by mountains. It's really, really uh, dramatic. You're like looking over, over cliffs. Um, and Versa historically was famous for the ceramic industry. Uh-huh. Um, it was the home to a lot of uh, artisans. So historically... You know what's being produced there now. It's just a part of their their uh, their history. It's a little you know. It's very very tiny. There's one main road that goes in and out of town. Um, there's a we we call it. There's an uptown and a, and a downtown. All right. <laughs> we live downtown, um, uh, not too far from the, the piazza. And the piazza typically is the center of of life in these little villages. Yeah, totally. You know, there's. Uh, and it turns out, interestingly enough, that our family uh, history is food. Uh, um, the Marcelli family. The Marcelli history. family, in, uh, and that also my my uh, my grandmother, Italian grandmother's uh, uh, dad was a chef. Anyways, they've owned most of the food businesses that that are in the village, and there are a couple of little bars. My other cousin has the one restaurant that's uh, in the village. And it's really, everyone, of course, knows everyone. Um, it's just quiet. There's, there's nothing. It's like to, a time capsule, right? I mean, it's like. Absolutely. It's, and there's nothing to do. And I mean that in, in the <laughs> most amazing. wonderful, wonderful way. When we first went there, we, we had blocked out, um, I think, three days to stay in the village. <clears throat> in addition to going to you know Florence and Rome and Venice, and I said to my brothers, I mean, really, what the hell are we going to do in this little village for three days? I mean, we're in Italy for God's sakes. Well, by the end of the fr- the first day, it just had really um, taken me over. It's a it's a beautiful place. The the people are warm and friendly. Um, you know, there's the the typical characters that you'll find in a village, which happens to be some of our, our relatives, and um, it's just peaceful. That's amazing. I mean, New Yorkers, we need to decompress. So, I mean, going to places like that is, uh, you know, I mean, it, when I when I travel to places like that, it takes me a minute to wind down because at first I'm like that. I'm like, so where do we go? What do we right. do? We mean, there's no fucking streetlights here. Right. I mean, how does that right. work? Right. How do I not get hit by a car? Oh, wait, there's no cars. There aren't any streetlights. <laughs> yeah, when we're there, it's the silence that actually keeps me up at night. That's amazing, right? That's cool. Uh, I I wanted to say that. Um, it brings us great, great satisfaction to be able to, uh, you know, in a way, bring this 
this region and this town to the world. Um, you know, we kind of see ourselves as a vehicle of, of bringing these, these, these treasures, these products from these small producers and families uh, to a place like, for example, New York City, where they never would have uh, really been able to, to get. Um, you know, so we we feel really great uh, about that, and also you know we we have a, a little house there. Um, you know, pretty much has an open door, and we've had a lot of our chef customers and friends go and stay there. Oh, and, that's fantastic! And yeah, it's wonderful. They get to uh, they get to spend time on the farm. They can make cheese. They can, uh, you know, uh, befriend a sheepdog or seven. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's really it, it's great. We're we're I feel in a way as though we're really, um, you know, giving back to the town where we're our, our ancestors are from. And then for chefs and food people in general, especially that work in the, in the city, I mean, that's like the ultimate mm. connection uh, is to be able to go to the to those places. Uh, did some of the feedback you get for the people who've traveled over there? Did your products really, you know, they they hit home? So when when they eat that. And then they travel there post eating that. Do they get it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I think sometimes they don't. They don't want to come back. <laughs> I think they never probably um, want to come back. <laughs> uh, for example, we just had uh, one of the sous chefs from from Del Posto there uh, with his with his fiance, and he. Oh, the pictures we were getting. I mean, you know, he uh, he was making cheese and meeting with uh, Nunzio, and then he went to the the pasta family, uh, their manufacturing center, and. Uh, he, it was it was it was wonderful. They uh, I think I think they have an appreciation uh, to begin with, but then once they go and they see it, they really really get it. Yeah, and I think that's also part of what we're doing is because it's it is an imported product. So not everybody can do that. We encourage as many people as possible. We tell them like, look, just get yourself to Rome. And it's an hour and a half yeah. to there. We'll have somebody <laughs> pick you up or take a train, take a bus. But that's the challenge as opposed to being like, hey, we're from upstate New York. Like, sure, we'll, we'll drive you up there right now. Like, we have a lot of storytelling to do, and that is the upfront part of it. And then, you know, whenever we're doing a tasting or whatever, talking to anybody that we do business with, it's like it's the story, and then they taste it, and they say, okay, we get it. But we, you know, we hope that more, you know more people can go over there to really experience this. Well, one of the things that you, Bobby, spoke before, but it's in this big sort of not bowl of mountains, but this big sort of roll of, of mountains there. Um, and on the show in the in this season, we've had some episodes about transhumans. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe one of you guys or gal could speak to us about um, transhumans and uh, and the role that it plays in Abruzzo and how important it is in Abruzzo because uh, our last guest was, was in the Alps, you know, um, and so she was um, trying to protect this practice, which is rapidly disappearing right. um, because it's a rugged lifestyle to go up on the goddamn mountain and with the animals and, and live up there and then, and then bring them all the way back down. Talk to me about that. They don't do it with ATVs. No. <laughs> um, actually, you know, we are incredibly proud of our family there. Um, you know, Nunzio and his kids and, uh, and Manuela have done this remarkable job of really creating something um, that is a part of history. And the Transamanza is such an integral part of the, the world. It's the simple, it's the life of the shepherd. It's the shepherd, the sheep, and the dogs in the cycle of time. Um, you know, the spring, the summer, the fall, taking the animals up to the summer pastures, which is just the most beautiful, beautiful place. I mean, just the rolling, 
the, the hills, the grass, the dogs, the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> nice sheep noise. <laughs> lots, of, lots of good sheep noise. And um, people come from all over the world to, to do this. And they've made, they've become very kind of well-known for this uh, practice. Your family. Yeah. Our family. Especially on social media. Yes. Which is the modern, the modern thing now. It's what all the kids are doing. The kids. <laughs> and, and the life of a shepherd is really, really um, not quite as lonely as it was before. But, right. But in the, in the pastures, in the park, where um, the, the shepherds live, it's a simple house, uh, fireplace, certainly no electricity. Right. Um, don't have a good internet connection up there. Well, the Wi-Fi, I think, isn't, oh, really? isn't, isn't bad. Oh, because that's good. You know, it's people can't live without their cell phones. No, um, and they bring in food. Of course, they eat a little like lamb, and they eat cheese, and have lots of bread. But it's a it's a very I think lonely solitude um, kind of an existence. But that's the the key, right? The, the beauty the, of it. The transhumans. That's like the heart of, of the cheese making, or of the of that pastoral and uh, agrarian lifestyle. That they promote, right? I mean, Correct. that's it. That's it. You know, that's what gives the cheese its flavor. That's what gives the animals its ex- their exercise, and that's what that's the the sort of metronome, right? Like that's the sort of the clock that everybody's on up there, which is great. You know, I mean, the, the guy that we talked to with before was talking about cows. I mean, I don't, are the sheep? Uh, do they listen? Do they do they like the trip up the mountain? And have you have any of you guys ever made the trip up the mountain with the sheep? I've done part of it. Uh, I know yeah. my brother did. Uh, my brother Mike, he spent two kind of long, like nine month trips, a couple years apart. There, I think he did the full thing. Uh, it's something. Yeah, we we all would like to do it. It takes you know, it's like a couple. I don't know, it's like you got to give up some time like to do yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, a lot of times when we're there, we're like we're moving all around the region. We're spending as much time on the farm and the village as possible. Um, but it's something we have friends that have done it. They do it every uh, every few weeks, really, because what they do is of the thirteen hundred sheep, they move the majority of the herd and they leave about two to three hundred on the farm to do the daily, just you know, going up and down the mountain, doing the milking, sure. and the rest are just just chilling out, like eating and walking around, and then they rotate. Uh, so they do that they do that uh, moving of the animals every few weeks, pretty much. That's fantastic. So we got the town, we got the region, we got the animals. We got the transhumans. Um, so tell us a little bit about the cheeses. Are, are the cheeses that you guys sell? Are they very much indicative of traditional cheeses of the region? And if so, how? Well, I mean, I would say especially the, like the Pecorino de Parco um, is a very classic style mountain. Uh, you know, as you probably have a lot of experience with those cheeses, completely uh, from Abruzzo. Um, but obviously, not many cheeses from Abruzzo actually make it to the, U- the U.S. because of the remoteness of it. Um, and I think the like the aged ricotta, the smoked ricotta is, it's traditional but also unique. So yeah. like Nunzio's answer to like, okay, I'm making all this pecorino, now I have all the sheep smoked ricotta, and there's only so much fresh ricotta you can go through. Like, how do I age it? And how do I do it in a way that's 
Okay, I, cool, I really different. feel like those are the those are so signature items of Marcelli for Maggi. And in the studio, these guys, they're a little bit out of my arm's reach, but I'm going to get to them afterwards. Um, they've got a little bit, of, yeah, if there's any left. They've got a couple cheeses in here, um, one new one that they're going to tell me about. But there's a ricotta here that's made out of cow's milk, right? Yep. Uh, the Pizzata Rosa. Yep. And it's covered in chives. It's yep. one of my favorite Marcelli cheeses. It's indestructible. It yep. lasts literally forever. Um, it's versatile. Uh, it's good for a snack. It's good to cook with. Um, and I love chives and everything. Yeah. So maybe you can tell me what but that cheese is all about. But it's also about. like the appearance of it. It's so strikingly white. Yeah. You think mm. it's like ricotta salata um, or something, but it's not. It's Yeah, it's Pizzata Rosa. Uh, it's made by uh, Claudio. He's uh, one of the producers in the cooperative. Um, so there's some cows roaming around there, too. Yeah. And it's funny. We've been, we visited him a few times. He's like really hard to find, of course. like you know, He's like, sure. go to this one town and then take this unmarked road. And, <laughs> yeah, you know. sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, one of the things I found recently, uh, as we mentioned earlier, that I'm, you know, I'm a beer person and I work in beer. Um, a little bit. We were, uh, yeah, so we did a beer and cheese event at Brooklyn Brewery. for. They had a sour a bottle share. Uh-huh. Um, last week that Tina and I were there for, which was great. We brought four cheeses. And in the process of uh, trying to figure out which of our cheeses to have that night to go with sour beers, um, we were just trying this chive ricotta. And I was like, you know, I don't think we're going to find a, a, you know, a sour beer to go with this cheese because it has such, like, onion... You know, yeah, chives are pretty. Chives are pretty potent, uh, yeah. which is why I like them. And then I find that with cheese, especially uh, fresh, fresher cheese, usually I had it with goat cheeses. Um, they 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 don't, don't mask, but they right. go really well with sort of the acidity right. of those cheeses. So as we were talking through it, I was like, well, you know, one of the things I, I love about this cheese is that it reminds me of you know, when we were kids. We had Phil, uh, Philadelphia cream cheese with chives like in the fridge all the time. Just an easy thing to put on bagels and whatever. Sure. So this cheese always reminds me of that. So we're talking about the onion factor and the person I was uh, tasting the cheese with. We tried like a pale ale, like thinking like the hoppy, you know, earthiness of it would work for it. But like, no, it needs something like like bready, like something like like bread. So we uh, we tried it with Brooklyn Lager because this was at Brooklyn Brewery, and um, it's it's perfect. It's because uh, the Vienna Vienna malt. Um, it kind of does like a bagel and cream cheese thing to it. I don't mm. think actually. My sister and dad have actually tried this before because I've been having everybody try it for like the last week since I, since we tried <laughs> yeah, it together. Nice. But what do you think? How's it work together? Good? That's phenomenal. Yeah, the, the Pizzata Rosa uh, ricottas are, are great. And then you guys have an, a new cheese. So when you go to, to check out their um, their website and you go under their cheeses to, to, to see their list of cheeses, you'll see some of this stuff. But um, they brought in something new. Now, I was lucky enough to meet some of the, the Marcelli clan, uh, the exponential Marcelli clan in Bra, uh, maybe six, six years ago or four years ago now, I met the maker of the pecor, Pecorino Gregoriano, um, the Gregorio. Uh, he burned me with his cigarette. It was really, uh, immediately he like, burned me with his cigarette. He was this big, massive sheep guy that like put his arm around me and like scorched me. Um, and then they had this huge drum-shaped mm-hmm. cheese there yeah. um, that you have a piece of here uh, in the studio. And uh, what's the name of that cheese? Tritico. And what does that, know? What does that mean? It's the three um, uh, milks. Cow, sheep, and uh, goat. Sure. What type of cheese is it? Is it a is it a pasta filata? Is it a, is it a, a, a it's not a ricotta. It's a it's a matured cheese, right? Um, yeah. Well, it's it's a, it's a stuffalata. 
Yeah, <laughs> nice. I mean, it, it's not, uh, nice. It's, it's sort, I like it. Good I mean, it's sort of. So I, I've been, I've been there. Uh, I was there a couple. A of high times. five action. I like that. <laughs> I was there a few times when they made it. Um, yeah, basically, it's like it's not. It's it is actually stretched. Now that I think about it, it's a good question. Um, so it is stretched in, in kind of a, and you, you end up with this big mound, and then they have this huge cylinder that they kind of literally stuff it into. It's huge. Sure. It's probably like two and a half feet tall, um, and that's how they let it set. And then after that, they tie rope around it, and they will kind of hang it. So exactly, like I didn't yeah. even think about that. It is it totally a possible? Yeah. Energy. So it's like a big uh, ragusano uh-huh. almost. Exactly. Um, exactly. So it's so it's pulled. It's probably so it. Uh, it's pulled the brine and then it's hung mm-hmm. yep. for a while. Yep. And then in keeping with all the cheeses that they make and that we carry, um, all the rinds are natural. You can eat them. So um, for uh, like for this one, like if it starts over time while it's aging, it starts to crack uh, the outside, the skin. They'll just cover it, um, seal it with some honey wax. That's amazing. edible. Yeah. So I actually haven't had this in, in quite a while. This is mm. my first time having it. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. And are we going to be able to buy some of this? Dad? Yes, Bob's <laughs> mouth is full. He is chewing. He is chewing and eating the cheese of his family. Yeah, do you want to be the first customer in the U.S.? No, yeah, oh. I, I may. I may want to. Um, <laughs> oh, that's 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 fantastic. Um, well, you know, you guys, um, I really want to thank you very much for coming in and taking a little bit of time to spend with me today and uh, to talk about your wonderful uh, family company of which I am a customer and uh, and a friend. And a so friend. You and must friend. like me because you sell me a lot of Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we like you a lot, Greg. So, um, and, and likewise, um, I love the Marcellis. So um, go and check them out and if you're lucky enough to um, own a cheese shop or be near a cheese shop that sells their stuff, you should pick it up and uh, they make, um, the Marcelli family just makes great stuff and they make great pasta and honey too. So, Thanks a lot for tuning in, and uh, we will be back uh, next week with another episode of Cutting the Curd. Ciao. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.